Welcome to Christ Chapel College, the college outreach of Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope everyone experiences what Jesus calls abundant life. So we unapologetically point to Him as the source of life and joy. If you're a college student in the Fort Worth area, we'd be stoked to connect with you. Find out more at ChristChapelCollege.org and on Instagram at ChristChapelCollege. morning. Love that you guys are here at uh, nine in the morning to worship Jesus uh, right before finals. You get extra spiritual points for that. Um, All right, we are going to jump into uh, the final section of the book of Galatians. If you are a guest with us, we love that you're here. We really do. My name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we just, we love uh, that you're here, and and we hope that you feel welcome in this place, not just that we're friendly, but we hope that um, there's something different, and not just for guests, for all of us, that we walked into was not just a friendly room uh, with, with good worship or that we leave encouraged, but that we leave changed. That's always our goal. Because we believe that's the business of what our God does. He changes people. He redeems people. That's what his Holy Spirit does. And so we're going to preach God's word. We've been preaching through the book of Galatians. We started at the very beginning of the semester. um, And with a couple of exceptions, we preach just about every week um, from the book of Galatians. And so now we're going to be finishing it in chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, chapter 6. And we'll be in verses 11 through ultimately 18. I'm going to cover the first 17 uh, in the sermon, and then um, Nathan's going to close us up at the end of the worship time with verse 18. Um, So if you've got your Bibles flipped there, and if you don't have a Bible too, grab one of ours, or even after the service, we've got them stacked up around the room. There's purple ones. Uh, I think we've got some black leather ones also, but take one. That's our gift to you. We'd love for you to have one, especially if you're going home to break. We'd love for you to take one home um, and and be in it. Um, I love the break for a lot of reasons, but one of my favorite reasons about uh, the break, what I'm looking forward to is we just kind of get to downshift a little bit around here in ministry, is just more time with my boys. So Danielle and I, my wife and I, we have two sons, Charlie and Miles. I talk about them a lot. They'll be here, I think, at the next service. Uh, They're incredible. And just getting, you know, they'll be out of school and I'll be able to shut down some meetings and be able to be home more with them. And they are such radically different personalities. If you've ever been around my boys, you you know that. Um, And it's funny because at times their confidence shifts in different ways. Um, So let me illustrate. Um, Charlie um, is just... I love that kid. He's so sharp. He's so sensitive. He's so kind, honestly. The reason they get along as well as they do is honestly because the big brother, Charlie, is just so kind to his little brother. Um, But when it comes to like public speaking, right? They did these like recitation recital things when they're kids and through preschool. And I remember one of the first ones that Charlie did, you know, it was like his moment to like say his like two lines and he's just so quiet and so soft and so, you know, intimidated in those early times that he would do that. Um, and, and then Miles, uh, my second son, we actually were friends with his kindergarten teacher and he's in kindergarten right now. And she was like, Miles, is so loud when we sing our, our Christmas song. They did like a Christmas rock. He just, I mean, he is getting after it. And then she said, and he is so off key. And so it's just my little six-year-old just belting it out so boldly and so confidently. And it's so funny to see the contrast. And then they'll rotate in other ways where, where obviously Charlie, when it comes to like riding his bike, you know, he's just a machine and he's, a, he's just awesome at it. He's got one of those hoverboard things that you you know, ride around on, or I don't know if you do, I don't, but it's those things that kids ride around on, and uh, he's so confident in that thing, um, and he just zips around, and Miles gets on it, and he's timid, and his knees are shaking, and it's so interesting that two 
two boys, right, same mom and dad, live under the same house. A lot of the circumstances of their life are very similar, right? and yet their confidence is, is massively different in different categories. Um, but they're both our sons, both biologically our genes, Danielle and I, um, and yet their confidence is different. Where I think Galatian ends this book, where it ends, where Paul's going to take us, is really this look at what son are you? What daughter are you? What level of confidence are you walking out in your relationship with this almighty God, this father, this creator that we have? What does your confidence look like? And it's a confidence that should change everything around us. So that's where we're going. I really think that that, uh, I want us to see that that confidence really does change so much about how you live your life. Um, And so let me preview how we're going to do this. I'm going to just work through this passage one verse at a time. We're going to start in verse 11, and we're just going to pretty much verse by verse all the way through 17, uh, and then worship's going to come back up, and then Nathan is actually going to conclude our service with the very last verse, verse 18, in all of Galatians at the very end of our our time of worship. And so I'm just going to walk us through verse by verse, and then really I've just got one big main point that's really a prayer for you guys and, and hopefully some practical things you can walk out of here challenged with. Verse 11, so we'll throw it up on the screen. Just verse 11 for right now. This is what Paul says. He, he starts his kind of final thought by this transitional, kind of getting our attention with this transitional statement. See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. So here's why that's significant. A lot of times the epistles, the letters in the New Testament were written, you know, they were dictated by an apostle and then they were written down by a scribe. And Paul at the end of Galatians is like, guys, I wrote this myself, man. No scribe, no spell check, none, no tools, just me and my hands. And I can just picture Paul like with hand cramps, just as he's wrapping up this letter, being like, this is me, bold, all caps, this is my hand. He wants them to know how personal this is, right? He wants them to know how personal. He cares a ton about these people. Paul cares a ton about them. He doesn't want them to miss it. He doesn't want them to stay confused in their understanding of the gospel, And there are these people that are deceiving them currently, right? In the context that he's writing this, there are people that this church that he loves are being deceived. And what's happening? There are these people who have come into the camp, right? Into this community of of believers that Paul has really established in this church in Galatia. And they are preaching this other message. They're preaching this message, be circumcised, Right, along with other things, welcome to welcome to you know Sunday morning at Christ Chapel College. We're going to talk about circumcision um, in the book of Galatians. It's talked about a lot, um, and it's talked about a lot because circumcision is this example that he uses that he kind of latches onto um, that that is tied to the Old Testament way of doing things. And so here's what's happened. God said, I want to interact with my people in a specific way. And so the Hebrew, the Jewish people, he said, you are going to be my people. I'm setting you apart. I'm going to reveal myself. And ultimately, I'm going to bring the Messiah, who we know to be Jesus. I'm going to bring the Messiah through this people. And there's all these ways, there's all these rituals and and ways in which we interact. And circumcision, that's where circumcision originated, right? Was in this idea, this is a mark that I want the men to have to signify that they are Jewish of Hebrew descent, they're my people. And so there's all these other things like eating kosher foods and hand washing, certain, certain ways to hand wash. And there's all these rules, right? Which God established, they weren't bad, but there were these things. And this is how they lived. This, This is how they identified that their faith was in the one true God and they were looking forward to the Messiah. And so that's kind of how they identify themselves. Well, then all of a sudden Jesus comes along and Jesus shows up and everything changes, 
right? Jesus shows up and he is the fulfillment of all of that. All of the Old Testament prophecy and promises were pointing to him. He has come, he has fulfilled that. And now Jesus has said, now everyone can be mine. You don't have to just be a Jew. I've opened it up to the category of Gentiles, right? Not just Hebrews, not just Jewish people, but anyone who believes in me. That's now the path. That's now who becomes adopted and who becomes identified as one of God's, right? A son or a daughter. So everything has changed. Well, what's happened now is you've got new believers who are like, Jesus is the man. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is the savior. He's the fulfillment. He is the way. But you've got all these Jewish people who have followed the one true God, and they've said, but this is always how we've interacted. We've had all these religious rituals and these, these things that we've had to do to interact. And so there's this clash of cultures where they're saying, well, wait a second. Yeah, we, we believe in Jesus too, right? These Jews who've also become Christians, they're saying, we believe in Jesus, and they're saying, we do too. But they're like, but you guys don't have all the stuff that we've been doing. You guys need to do this stuff. You guys need to get circumcised and have kosher food and have these hand-washing things. And have, You guys need to do all of these things in the Old Testament. You need to apply these rules that we've been doing for generations after generations. You want to worship the one true God? You want to be his son or daughter? Cool, we've got this whole playbook, whole long list of checklists that you need to be doing also. We love Jesus, you love Jesus, we need that. And so there's this confusion. Do they need to, do they not need to? So that's where it is. And, and those people um, are putting this pressure on the Christians there. They, that's what Galatians is written to, to say, stop doing all these things to earn your salvation. It's by faith, through, it's by grace through faith. And, and those, those, the term for them is Judaizers, right? Those Judaizers aren't bad guys. They're not trying. They're just confused. They're, they've come from this context. And so look at what happens. Verse 12. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they might not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. So stop right there. So verse 12 lets us kind of see behind the curtain. This is what's happening, right? The people who are telling you, you love God? Cool, you need to get circumcised if you really want to be in his family. You need to do all, and he's saying, those people have the wrong motives. Those people are wrong. Don't listen, don't, don't abide by that. But that's the wrong motives. And here's what's crazy is those people don't even live up to the standard that they're saying, hey, if you really want to be adopted, you need to follow this big long list. They don't even live up to that standard. Look at verse 13. Paul says, for even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Hey, you guys want to be Christians, got to keep all the rules. And, and please don't mistake, just an aside, Please don't mistake um, what's happening here. These largely irrelevant rules that the Judaizers are trying to put on what it means to follow Christ, don't mistake that as holiness. Because holiness is absolutely a part of following Christ. These were these Jewish customs and, and all of these practices that they had been doing up to this time that they were, but holiness is absolutely a part of following Christ. And we'll talk about that more here in a minute here's what I want you to see and, and just I'm, I'm in awe of this of 2,000 years ago this was written to a group of believers who were pretty confused and pretty torn I, I think this is so massively relevant today in the world you live in the world I live in this is crazy relevant that we are still running into this issue 2,000 years later that our salvation and our eternity 
gets inappropriately, somehow along the way, gets inappropriately latched to how we're doing and mastering the list of cultural Christian things to do. Right, that happens all of the time, even still today. If you were to go ask somebody, or if you were to be asked, maybe you would answer this way, um, oftentimes, how do I go to heaven? Right, how do I get saved? What does it mean to be a Christian? What do I need to do to make sure that I'm a Christian and I'm gonna have eternity and I get you know, adopted as a son or a daughter? What, how does that happen? And so often, the answer is this mistaken answer that comes straight out of the same confusion that, that Paul is trying to correct in Galatians. Oh, you need to do these things. It's about Jesus Plus, you've got to be really in line with all of these religious cultural practices to really solidify your identity before God. We, we still wrestle with that. We still drift into this, oh, it's, it's a scale system. I've got to tip, tip the scales in my favor by doing more religious things than not. Verse 13, they're boasting in their flesh, right? It's become about bragging rights. This whole thing has become about the Judaizers saying, hey, we, we are bragging about, we've got these guys converting now to do all of our Jewish things. These Gentiles who were never born Jew are starting to take on our Jewish customs, and it's this bragging right thing, right? The world they live in is now really being changed, and, and so often they want to have a foot in both camps. That's what's happening. There's this compromise happening. There's a compromise where it's a group of people who are saying, okay, we've lived this way. This is what the world we lived in has looked like, but now we want to follow Jesus. We, wanna, we see that Jesus is the way. Great. Okay, so we believe that. We'll put our faith in that, but also we're still going to hold on to the way we've lived, and they're riding the fence. Guys, again, how massively relevant is that for you? The world you live in as college students. Let me just uh, just a shot in the dark, a random example, right? Anecdotal example. Let's say, let's say you are a sophomore girl and you're in a sorority and you love God and you are in Christ and you are following Jesus and, and there's a freshman who's come in and she loves Jesus too and you guys are in the same sorority together and, and she's like, man, I'm following Jesus. And you're like, yeah, no way, I'm following Jesus too. And you guys hang out and maybe I'll go to, you know, you go and you worship together and you do churchy things together and all this stuff and it's genuine. But when you go to a sorority party, right, or you go to a mixer or something, you still are, are engaging in the world in the way that you kind of look, you're not quite as bad as some of those, but she like doesn't drink at all. And she's like, like, she doesn't do any of that stuff. And she's, she's, I mean, when she says she's a Christian, she's like super uber way over here. And it's honestly kind of weird, right? It's like, well, wait, no, just, I get it. I'm a Christian too, right? We both love Jesus, which is true. And you, you do, right? But I, I'm going to love Jesus, but I'm still going to have kind of a foot in the world that I live in. I'm still going to be culturally relevant and it's college and this is the time to do that. And, and she's awkwardly saying, well, no, I'm not. I'm going to live set apart. And it's like, come on, you're, you're a freshman. You don't know. It's okay to have this or it's okay to do that or don't go that far. But it's, this is what's happening, right? There's this tension all the time for us. We want to ride, we want to ride that fence. We, we all do it and we do it in different ways. But the world you live in, and specifically if you're a college student, you're surrounded by temptation to say, okay, yeah, no, I'm a follower of Jesus too. But it's okay. We're still going to live the way. We're still going to do the practices of the world. And if the world looks like this on the weekend, then we'll look like a, maybe a watered-down version of that. But we're going to go there too. We all fall in that trap, right? This is not a, not a sermon about condemnation. 
a sermon that's massively relevant. It's a book that's massively relevant. To say, how do we navigate this being set apart, following Jesus, being relevant to the world we're around, and not compromising? How do we not compromise those things? Paul boasts only in Christ. Look at, look at the opposite side. Look at the contrast Paul shows us how to live. Verse 14 and 15. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Let's stop right there. What, what happens in verse 14 and 15 is so pivotal, right? What's happening is Paul saying, hey, look, this is what's happening with these guys, right? They're confused. They want to follow Jesus. They love Jesus, but also they got all their old ways that they still want to have a foot in there. They're trying to preach their old ways on other people, trying to ride the fence and compromise it. And Paul says, no, is only in Christ. My entire confidence is only in Christ. That's where it comes from. He has one source for his confidence. Not, not Christ, not Jesus is one of many, right? Not primarily I follow Jesus and then other things are supplemental. He says only Jesus, only Jesus. Paul's confidence is built on and sustained by his faith in the gospel, right? The, the gospel, the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We see it here in this passage. I will boast only in the, in the cross, that, that death and that burial. And then in verse 15, we see the resurrection. We see this new creation, the new creation that the resurrection has produced, this new life, and all that comes with the gospel, which is the forgiveness of sins, right, which is salvation that comes from God once and for all, that can never be taken back, right? It's this gospel, this faith in the gospel, the surrender in the gospel, that, that means Paul is saved, that means he has actually been given Jesus' righteousness, that when God sees Paul, he doesn't see, or when God sees us, if we're in Christ, he doesn't see my past, he doesn't see my sin, he doesn't see my, my present sin, much less my past sin. He, he sees Jesus' righteousness on the broken, imperfect life of Ben, that's what he sees if I'm in Christ. And so I get salvation and grace and mercy and forgiveness. I get righteousness given to me and I get unleashed. The Holy Spirit, the triune God, the Father through the Son, unleashing the Holy Spirit and those who believe to bring about radical change in our life. Right? That is Paul's faith in, in what Jesus did is more than just an acknowledgement of yes, I believe that that happened. I believe in Jesus. It's, Jesus' death was more than just a Roman execution. It's the power of God. It's the power of God for salvation. Paul says that in Romans 1. The gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. And it has transformed his life. I mean, it's transformed Paul's life by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world in verse 14. The world's dead to Paul. And not that Paul doesn't have a great life, right? Because Paul lives a life of love and joy. He is experiencing peace in crazy ways, but not because he's attached to the world or religion is giving it to him or some external source. It's just his confidence in the gospel, his depth into the gospel, his belief and trust in the gospel. Not as just a part or a category of his life, but everything everything. So often we say, yeah, Jesus is a big part of my life. Christianity is a, a part of what I believe, but our identity isn't fully in Christianity. It's, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm a Christian, and then I add all these other things to really find my identity, really find my confidence. 
we look to these other sources and hear so radically, but so available to us, to the church, to those believers, he says, fully, don't boast in anything else. He, Paul, rests confidently in Jesus and Jesus alone, right? Paul rests in that. And I use the word rest very strategically. He's not striving. He gets to just say, God, you've got this. I trust you. I trust what you've done. I trust that you will do. I trust that you will be enough for today. It's exhausting. It's exhausting to not find our source in Christ. I, I believe you guys, most of you guys are probably in your early 20s. The next multiple decades that you have before you. You have this choice of how do you run this race? Where do you find your source for your confidence, your identity, who you are? These, these questions like, am I enough? Right, am I enough, am I doing enough? They, they show us where we're searching for our confidence. Am I pretty enough? Am I smart enough? Am I accepted and popular enough? Am I achieving enough? Am I affirmed enough? Consciously and massively subconsciously. We have unlimited number of roots going into all kinds of foundations to fuel us, to find our identity. We do it. We drift to those things. And it is exhausting. Am I going to be enough? Different seasons, that question will, will change. But we have this opportunity. It's exhausting to walk that path right? Looking for my confidence and never truly being able to rest. Because then, okay, I have achieved enough, but now this person doesn't like me because I burned this bridge, and so now I'm not liked enough, or, I'm, or, or I used to be more attractive, and now I'm not. And, so, and it's this exhausting thing. Look at what he says about the walk of faith that he, that he talks about. Verse 16, and as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy upon them and upon the Israel of God. Paul he cares tremendously for his people, right? This letter written by his own hand, cramping up six chapters of just exhortation and encouragement and challenge. He cares tremendously for these people. And this letter is Paul's heart for them to understand the right way to live. Don't spend decades chasing after these things that are just gonna leave you more exhausted. Just be unsatisfying. Paul's, I'm not living for religious practices. Paul says, I'm not living for worldly comforts. I'm living for Christ and through Christ. Jesus, you are my everything. That's what we see in Galatians. That's where he takes us. That's where he begins to land as he wraps up this letter to these people we care about. I care a ton about you guys. I don't know most of the people in this room. I haven't gotten the privilege of getting to have conversations with probably the majority of you. But the Holy Spirit that lives in me cries out about you all the time. Our staff, right? We pray for you guys. Our leaders, we got family night leaders. We got volunteer leaders and student, um, student group leaders. We got a church full of people about nine minutes north of here who love you and pray for you. You are loved. This morning, I got to come in early this morning because I was getting the privilege of getting to preach this text and got to just sit in, in this room before all these chairs were set up and just pray for you guys. And here's my sermon big idea, right? From this sermon, from this text, here's really the big idea that really I, I have in the form of a prayer for y'all, and it's this. 
would Christ be the source of your confidence? That's genuinely my prayer for you this morning. It'll be my prayer for you tomorrow morning also. Would Christ be the source of your confidence? Everything changes when it happens. There's two guardrails that Paul sets up here. Right? He's got this guardrail on one side that we can easily go over and fall off into that it's not about your deeds. That's not where your confidence, that's not where your identity and who you are comes from. It's not your deeds, your religious activity, or even your anti-deeds. It's not even the mistakes you make. Right? God is not bound or shackled by, by you and your lack of performance. But also on the other side, he's not bound by, it's not by the world. Right? You're not fueled and, and identified and, and have your source in what the world says and how the world says you measure up. Right? Whether it's socially acceptable things or things that are frowned upon. We all do those things. But in between those two sidelines is this amazing life. Right? Between not relying on a religious checklist to make me right to God and, and not about worldly living to make an emptiness and a disconnect that I know is there go away. Between those two is this life that's crucified to the flesh. It's not I who live. It's crucified to the flesh. It's not mine. I surrender my life to Christ. That's what it looks like. That's what this confidence looks like. Pursuing holiness, pursuing obedience, right, in all that I do, loving those in the world, but also being okay with being set apart because being accepted and looking like everyone else isn't where I find my source. It isn't where I find my identity. It isn't where I find my, my hope. Right? I, I wake up and I say, Jesus, you are all I need. You are all I want. Help me believe that more and more and more. Help me live that out. I am yours. That's the prayer of the believer. Can I give you some anecdotal things that I, I hope take this big concept and just add a little skin to it? And some of these are just anecdotal. They're not going to connect with you, um, but maybe the Spirit of God has one or two in there that does. At the end of this week, how, how does this play out? How does, what does it look like tangibly for you to, to have your confidence in Christ? At the end of this week, um, a lot of you guys are going to go home. And for some of you, going home is not a good thing. Going home is hard, and it is hurtful, and it brings up more hurt. Going home, you will feel more alone and more discouraged and more unknown. And that's hard. And there's all kinds of really real and valid reasons why going home is not something you're looking forward to. In fact, you can feel it in the pit of your stomach. I gotta go home. I gotta go sleep in that house again. I gotta go interact and put on a good face with those people again. I hate that. That's, that's broken. That's not what God wants. That's not his ultimate design for you and for family. But that's a reality, the brokenness of life. What if, what, what if there was a confidence we could have in Christ that was, that was so deep and so tangible that although going home circumstantially still is hard and painful and weary and it doesn't just quick fix and it's not just fairy dust that all of a sudden going home is sweet and fun but when I'm in those hard circumstances what if there was a depth and a tangibility to this confidence with Christ where I could still have peace I could have healing I, I could still be there at home and, and be okay with that because I'm not defined 
by siblings or parents or these memories or this brokenness or this conflict. I'm defined in my identity and where my source and where my roots are is Christ and Christ alone, what he thinks of me, how he values me, how he loves me, what he sees, how he sees me and knows you and knows how hurt you are and has experienced betrayal and suffering and pain and loneliness, has walked those things and he is your savior. What if confidence in Christ was that available, which it is, that tangible, tapped in in that way? Pornography. What if pornography has become a stress-relieving escape mechanism in your life and you can't remember a long stretch of time that you've gone without utilizing pornography as a way to either um, chase after um, lust or just relieve stress or uh, patterns in your life and that you, you, you cannot picture a time when you had a long stretch where that wasn't a part of your life. What if confidence in Christ was, was tangible enough to say, God, I don't need this. God, I'm reminded, my depth, my source is in you and I know who you say I am and I know where you find my worth and I know that I can rest in you. It is available there. And it is not a quick fix. And it's not just a prayer that we pray and then we don't struggle, right? It's roots that we've got to say, God, I need this more and more and more. Maybe it's affirmation from others, right? That that when affirmation from others isn't going the way you want it to, that you know who you are in Christ as a new creation and are are buoyed by that um, success and achievement. Very socially acceptable, good things that you should want in your life but not where you find your ultimate confidence in. Confidence in Christ. So when I succeed or when I fail, blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm yours, God. That's what defines me. Not my success, not my relationships, not my good and religious deeds I'm able to do, but just you, my father, calling me my, your son, calling me your daughter. Maybe it's, maybe it's even managing or trying to control the image that is glaring back at you when you look at yourself in a mirror. And you look at yourself in a mirror and maybe for some of you, you see yourself and you think, I am not attractive. I need to lose weight, I need to, I need to control, I need to manage this image. I need to manage what I look like here so that I can find my confidence in that. What if confidence in Christ was that tangible? Not just a biblical concept that we hear about at a church or at an outreach or, or worship time somewhere, but we hear about confidence of Christ and we say, God, would I know you that deeply? Would I walk with you? Would I rest in you that deeply to where I can look at that and I can speak truth into the lies that bounce back when I see myself in the mirror? And day by day, that struggle doesn't go away. I say, God, would you just help me this, this hour? Will you help me this hour with this temptation, with this lie that I'm believing? with this insecurity I have. God, just this moment to moment. God, would you be my confidence? Would you be my source? That's what you have available to you. That's what you have available to you in Christ. The implications of that kind of confidence, confidence in Christ and Christ alone, are unending. It is wave after wave after wave in your life of blessing and peace and love and joy Circumstances still suck. Things are still hard. You will still struggle. You'll still have temptations. You'll still fail at times. 
that you can return back to these waves of grace. God, you are all I want. You are all I want. That's what we want for you guys. That's what I want for my life. That's what I want for my boys. That's what we pray for you. That's what Galatians, that's what Paul wants for the people he loves. Don't boast in anything other than Christ. Just chase Jesus. Everything else is going to wind up leaving you exhausted. How do we build our confidence? Let me end on this. Real tangibly. I don't want to make this turn into a quick fix. I don't want you to have five steps to, to, to be in perfect when you leave here. These are just exercises, things that we've got to do to help us build that confidence that hopefully we say, God, I want more of that. The first one is this. Have you surrendered? Right? Have you actually put your faith in Christ? There are people here um, this morning, and I love that you're here. Understand, you are in the right place, but you have yet to actually surrender your life to Christ. You have good questions. You have good doubts. You're still curious. You maybe didn't grow up with this whole church thing, and so you're checking this out. Praise God, but you've yet to say, I am all in. I am surrendering my life. I'm putting my faith in Christ, and yet to have received the Holy Spirit that seals you Right? Or maybe you grew up in church and you did the religious things but never actually surrendered your life to Christ, but you're good at the list. Either way, if you haven't surrendered to Christ, then none of the other things I'm about to say apply. Right? This is for believers. So if you haven't surrendered, Jesus is not a category. Jesus is not a self-help module to apply to your life every once in a while. Jesus is either my everything or he's not. I either live a life where I say, Jesus, will you be my everything? Or I don't. The gospel of Jesus is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So for all of your sin, we say, God, that is a free gift. I believe. I believe. And my life is now yours. As we surrender, after we've surrendered, then we continue to live this life. We don't all of a sudden arrive. We live the rest of our unfortunately broken lives here. So there's several things we do. One of them is we spend time with God to build our confidence, right? We, how do we build our confidence? We gotta spend time. H- how do we build our confidence in our father? We spend time with our father. How do I continue to remember that I'm his son, that I'm his daughter to help me combat all of these other places that I wanna wander into? I spend time with my dad. I spend time with him. I I get in his word that he's given me. The Holy Spirit in me then helps me reveal and understand this. I go on walks. I, I worship. I find opportunities to stir my affections for God. I take scripture. I memorize it. I do all of these things. There's whole categories of of books on spiritual disciplines. Not to earn my identity, but as a response of my identity, God, would I spend time with you? And then I also spend time with with others who are with God. Right? I I walk because this thing isn't easy. This isn't a quick fix. This isn't an easy fix thing. This is a life, a Christian life that's worth it. But but in my struggles, I have other men in my life who say, man, how are you doing with this? I say, man, I'm struggling here. Hey, would you hold me accountable on this? Or, hey, I'm really wrestling with this. I'm really believing this, this lie about myself. Or I'm really finding my confidence in other places. And I, you live in community who know God and are walking that out also. You're designed to do that. And then you radically obey, right? You radically obey what he says, what his spirit puts on your heart, what his word directs you to do. You radically obey that from this new identity we have, right? You radically obey, and there's a slide here, from this identity. 
not for your new identity, right? From this, I am a son, I am a daughter. From that place, I now have the confidence to say, okay, I'm gonna obey. I don't obey so that I could earn that. And getting that cart, not before the horse, is what the entire book of Galatians is about. It's what so often we drift to. Oh man, I really messed up this weekend. And we spiral. And we think somehow our identity with God, that somehow God isn't going to love us now. And so then we walk away further and we spiral lower and lower instead of saying, God, this isn't who I am. When I change, when I obey, when I confess and receive your grace, you love me and keep walking it out. And then lastly, how do we build confidence? We do these things, we do them one day at a time. One day at a time. Right, we, we continue, because tomorrow morning, all of those temptations are waiting for you, all of those struggles, all of those challenges. When you go home, those old patterns are waiting for us. And so we say, God, today, this day, I am yours. My faith is in you, Christ, the Son of God. Father, you have paved the way for me to know you, filled me with your Holy Spirit. I am yours. And then tomorrow morning, I do it again, and I do it again. And there is life, and there is joy. And is it easy? No way. Is it worth it? Absolutely absolutely, it is a life worth living that way. And I'm telling you, you're in your, your early 20s to not make that as your foundation. I don't want you to wake up in your 80s and say, I wasted my life. I chased after things that were even socially acceptable moral things. And yet I'm empty and I'm far and who am I? You're designed for this kind of living. You're designed for this kind of surrender. You're designed for life and life abundant that comes from this. Verse 17, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, Paul says, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Paul Paul has scars. He bears on his body the marks of Jesus. It's not an easy way to live our life. But Paul says it's worth it. There's a cloud of witnesses around you, leaders and people in your life and pastors who say, it's worth it. And most importantly, I believe the Spirit of God is, is in you now or tapping on you now saying, it's worth it. Those other things that you're finding your confidence in, come back to me. Let them go. The Spirit of God is saying, daughter, son, it's worth it. Father, we love you. Help us. Help us to see, help us to understand. Reveal in us, God, the things that you desire for us to lay down. Reveal even through the anxieties that we might have or the fears or the insecurities or the habits, God, that that you might show us, God. Reveal to us there, Lord, the deeper roots of where we must be planted where our confidence must be to produce that kind of anxiety, that kind of fear, that kind of sin, that kind of worldliness, God, would you be so kind as to show us those things? And then, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just ask, would your spirit continue to not only convict, but call us to something better? We would be people who would live lives that boast in Christ. What you've done Would that not just be a big part of our story? Would that be the story of our life? For your glory, in the name of Jesus, amen.